Hi, Brace. Hello, Liz. So when you were 14, you were kidnapped in the middle of the night and taken to this school, this troubled teen school, Monarch, where you and so many other kids were subjected to all kinds of abuse. And years later, you found out that this school was directly descended from Synanon, and that you and others were thrown into a form of attack therapy called the game. And now a couple months ago, you tracked down some information about the guy who started the school, Patrick McKenna, and we went to Idaho to go find him. So now that we're back home, um, I guess, you know, what I really want to know is, did you get what you wanted? Did you have enough coffee? I did. Yeah, two I don't cups. Think I did. Is that enough for you? Yeah, I've been cutting back. You know, I was going, I was going a little crazy there for a second with the coffee. Really? Yeah, but that's this, that's you know, you don't want to be jittery all day. You had one the other afternoon, and I feel like it gave you a little spark. Yes. I would say you before we like got here when we were kind of like planning some of this stuff out. You were like, I don't know what I'm going to be like in the morning, like. Saying you're going to be all groggy and, and like yeah. sleepy, and you're bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. It's true. Actually, last night, so usually I take, and you guys know this, but I, I, have, I have to take uh, medication to sleep, um, which makes you practically useless for mm. much of the next morning. Not usually, but oftentimes I do. I stay up until like 3 or 4 in the morning most nights. Not on purpose. Just kind of reading in bed. Um, but last night, out like a light... Um, and uh, and woke up really energetic this morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's funny. Everyone I talked to is like, "Are you nervous? Are you nervous?" It's, I actually don't. Maybe I will coming up, but I, I don't feel nervous at all right now. Not at all. No. What do you feel? Good. I feel incredible right now, actually, which is maybe not like a, a healthy response. Why do you think that? This. Um, I don't know. I feel like I, I feel like maybe that's like not treating it with the gravitas it deserves, or like. Mm. Um, but no, I feel I feel no matter what happens, I feel good. You know. Mm. What do you think? What do you think that some of those like you know options of what could happen? Like, what's what do you think's on the table here? Well, um, I think there's three options really. Um, the number one, most likely one that he does not answer his door. There's no one home at the pickleball court, uh, which I've gazed at many times from satellite view. I still view. don't know what that is. Just found out what it was like a, a month ago. I guess there's an island where rich people just play pickleball. Off but where is it? I don't know. I'm assuming tennis? kind of some, They're all variations of tennis. Badminton, just mini tennis. Handball. I feel and like tennis. calling badminton mini tennis is like disrespectful to both badminton and tennis. That's but. fine with me. Are also because it's got extend, extendo. 
I don't know. Okay, so that. you think he couldn't? He might. I not. think he might not be home. Okay. We're going there. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're we're making our initial pass on a Saturday afternoon. Um, <laughs> who the fuck is home on a Saturday afternoon? You know, uh, it's 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 beautiful Idaho where there's so many things, so many trails to go down. Um, so he might not be home, um, which would be the. Uh, I, in my head, the most likely. I mean, it's the worst. It's the worst one to happen. So I'm assuming that's that's what's going to happen. That's the worst one that could happen. You think? Yeah, yeah. I know, but yeah, it I, it is to me. Um, number two is that he's home, but he's not willing to talk, which I get. Right? Like, I'm a guy who has spent his entire life in these programs. The really the last uh, public news about me is that I stole a bunch of money from the program. I already siphoned a bunch of money out of the program that I owned, sued for a million dollars, fucking my shit closed. So you're talking about Patrick, you're Patrick. not Brace. Just... Yeah, yes, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm being Patrick, that's how he talks. Okay. Um, yeah, so like, you know, it's, it's you know, he, he, he's really like, a chapter, a huge chapter of his life ended with him um, not only spitting on the ideals that he, he you know, by hook or by crook, implanted, tried to implant into a bunch of kids for decades. Uh, but he himself was supposedly a true believer of, you know, integrity, honesty, standing up for yourself, being a man, you know, this sort of like, like this uh, self-actualized, contained man. Um, you know, he wasn't able to do that. Uh, and so if I was him, I would not give an interview because I wouldn't want to address any of that. You know, it's better to hide like a dog. Um, episode, or excuse me, episode, look at this fucking podcast brain. Um, option three is that he does want to talk and I have some questions for him and I'd like to answer, you know, I'd like him to answer those questions. I just don't know. Uh, I don't know if he would. A lot of these guys not really great at, I mean, you know, you spend your whole life in, in these groups and in these sort of like, these like contained societies with the, um, you know, the stated purpose of making, making children or adults, whatever, into honest people, it actually ends up having the opposite effect. And you actually become like an expert sort of chameleon and, uh, and a better liar than almost anybody else on earth and able to evade the truth and evade having to, to, to tackle the hard issues. And that's really what this teaches a lot of people. And so Patrick is 100% an expert in that. So asking him questions might, might be useless. And I'm not interested in... Um, I don't know what he could tell me in, in some ways that like, you know, factually that, that I, I wouldn't know. Mm. I mean, there's probably a few things about Sea-Doo that, that would be interesting to, to learn. But uh, like, and I'm not interested in having this like contrite um, public, you know, like, a, a, you know, apology or anything like that. I mean, I do think he should apologize. Um, but Apologize to you? Yeah. Yeah. I think he should apologize really? to me. Yeah. Uh, more than that, apologize to everybody else who did that. What, what would you want him to say? Like, what would be... In my fantasy? Yeah. Or, like, what's the, the best... Like, the best isn't the right word, but, like, what is the outcome where... Like, say he does talk to you and say yeah. that he is, like, not doing his, um, you know, do mental jujitsu or whatever, you're, you know, you're saying kind of, like dodging of whatever that he's learned in these programs like what what does that sound like what does that look like to you like him being actually frank <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's funny because i've probably run through this fantasy uh, um 
an embarrassing number of times. <laughs> uh, not really the fantasy of apologizing, but the fantasy of confrontation. Um, I think him, you know, this is not going to make me sound like a good person, but I, I want him to, to humiliate himself in front of me, prostrate himself. Um, I want him to act like he forced thousands of kids to act. You know what I mean? I mean, there's one thing that, like, um, in, like, the insights and stuff, uh, one, of the, one of the big things that we'd have to do, uh, uh, one that I really remember doing, is that, like, there's one where you're kind of like, I think it's you're on your hands and knees, um, and you have to scream at the ground, like, uh, it's something like, I don't deserve to live. I don't deserve to live over, um, like over and over and over and over. Uh, and naturally, like, whether you believe that or not, I did not, I, I did believe I deserved to live, but you know, you, you repeat these things over and over. You scream, you have to scream it at the ground. Um, it's, it's, um, it's like really, it's really degrading. And, uh, and I, I, I I remember that, and I remember thinking, like, while it was happening, like, who would make, um, like, a child do this, you know? Because uh, even if the point was to be like, no, like, you do deserve to live, like, that's not what I got out of it. That's not what anyone got out of it. For the first time in my life, I was on my hands and knees, um, like a dog, and and uh, and screaming that, like, basically that I thought I should die, um, and. Uh, and I guess if you if you want to know what my actual fantasy is here, I mean this is again like not really attached to reality. Um, I want this. Um, I want Patrick on his fucking hands and knees, um, meaning it with every fucking cell in his body, screaming at the ground, "I don't deserve to live." You said that he went through the program, so do you think that he's already done that? Oh, he has done that. Yeah, and I and it worked on him. Um, it worked on him. And so, like, that, that's, that's the thing, too, is, like, you know, I, I, I tend to, um, it's actually kind of hard for me to hold grudges against people. Yeah. Um, I always think, like, everybody's got some, like, I don't know, I, I don't know how to explain this well, but, like, even people I've hated, I'm always like, well, there's, like, some, like, tender part of them that only, like, they, mm. they, they may not, they only... They may not grant anybody access to it ever, but like there's some there's sure. some sort of like core of a of a person in them, um, or well, like a, I think that's like you know if you can see that in yourself, you can see it in other people. That's the goal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's a true believer, you know. Is he? He well, ostensibly he is, or he was at one point, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I I. I I've been actually, like, while we've been doing this, while we've been doing this entire thing, like, I've been thinking, like, would, would I just want to be, like, it's okay, you know? Like, would I, I would, it, you know, when you're mad at somebody, and then they start crying, and you're like, oh, man, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you know, you, you feel bad, and you're like, I don't, I don't want to make you do that. Um, even if they did something wrong. Um, I don't, that, like, feeling towards empathy that I, is, is, 
I think I cannot think of really another example of this. I, I probably could have I tried, but off the top of my head, I can't really think of another example of this. Where it's like, um, if he started like blubbering or something, you know, weeping, begging for forgiveness. Like it's like I I don't have that empathy for him. Yeah, like, I was going to say calling this a grudge seems to be like kind of belittling the relation, like the relationship and the and the stakes. Yeah, you know, I mean, it doesn't I, seem sufficient for describing kind of what we're what we're doing here. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, if I ran one of these, I mean, I don't know. But if I ran one of these things, or like... I, I made like millions of dollars off of it. Millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're going to his like, whatever, six bedroom fucking house. Sure. He's got a fucking pickleball court. <laughs> whatever that means. You know? I know. But like, um, I would be terrified that like, something for... I, I as Brace, like... I'm scared of my few things from my past coming back to, you know, like people I've right. wronged when I was a teenager, like coming back to hurt me. This is not, you know, what, like the meatball guy that tried to beat me up in high school <laughs> was going to come back and get me. Um, that was actually after high school. But, uh, like, I would be terrified of somebody, you know, coming out of my past um, to confront me with this stuff. Yeah. There's a fourth option that you didn't mention, which is that he does answer the door and has absolutely no idea who you are. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's funny, I don't expect him to actually remember who I am. You I don't? Mean, nah, it's 18 years ago, you know? You, yeah. if, if I had sired a child in the week that I left, then that yeah, kid yeah, would yeah. not be smoking marbs. Actually, it's 21 now, I think. Smoke, which is crazy. Wait, but, really? Yes, you have to be 21 to smoke cigs. Isn't that fucked up? When did that happen? I don't know. Damn, but, that's crazy. I know. It's, uh, you're hearing living proof that none of us are pedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he might, he might just be like, I mean, I, I, you know, there was one thing. I got an easy to remember name, right? Both a blessing mm. and a curse. But, like, Brace is not, it's an unusual first name. Brace Belden, I think. Yeah, it's got a good ring yeah. to it. Yeah, but it's like, there's not a lot of, it's not like, you know, John Glenn. Well, I guess that's... That's a pretty... That's a fancy... You've literally but you know just what I mean? like if you, Yeah, okay, I did remember that. But like, <laughs> fine, Mark Kelly. <laughs> Other astronaut, I'm just really going on the astronaut thing here. But you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not like, it's it's an unusual name. Yeah. Um, And, uh... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we talked about this. Remember, we were like, do do we go up there as reporters or journalists or whatever? Or do we go up there? And, you know, I say, I'm like, I'm Brace. I, a student of the Monarch School. Um, I mean, what do you what do you think I should do? I mean, I think you should be honest. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what we're here to do, right? And honesty begets honesty. So. Yeah. Or theoretically. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that, but. I do think that's probably the best. I think I should be honest. It's funny because, like, I revert really into, like, rat mode with these guys. It's like, I don't need to be honest with them, you know. But I should be. I should be because... Well, yeah, I think that you're also trained in that same jujitsu, right? The question is, like... Yeah. I don't know if that's what needs to be deployed right now. Yeah, no. I mean, that's that's the funny thing is, like... I, I'm trained. I'm actually trained a little differently in it because I. I <laughs> yeah, of course. My thing is, I. I. I as a reflection. I did as like a negative. A, yeah, I did different. like an anti-program. Totally. Um, but like, so I'm not. I'm actually a bad liar, <laughs> uh, unless it's like something stupid. You know, like the. That's the story I would 
you know, the LA story I would tell. <laughs> um, but uh, I really can be convinced about funny, stupid lies. But really, if it matters, I can't. I can't. I know. I can't at all. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think I think that's what I'm gonna do. Just be be. I don't know how the fuck I'm gonna, what I'm going to introduce you guys as. These are my cousins. Um, they have uh, hard of hearing. That's why we have these microphones. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you're my lawyer. You're my bodyguard. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's like, I'm just going to say like, hey, you know, my name's Brace Belden. I was, a, uh, I was a student at Monarch School about 18 years ago. Um, you know, these are my colleagues. We work for a news organization. In ne- we can't say true or not. I don't think you need to say anything. Okay. We, well, we, the, is you it... Just say, you know, these are my colleagues and I'd like to ask you a couple questions. Yeah. And, uh, well, he's going to ask, who do you work for? And I'll be like, we're self-employed. Um, and, uh, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, but I don't think... As far as I know, I talked to a lot of lot of lot of kids, very much adults now, who went to the program both with me and afterwards. And um, as far as I know, as far as I can tell, nobody has seen Patrick in the five years or so since since the school closed. Uh, he hasn't contacted anybody. Um, thank God. Uh, and and it doesn't look like anyone's really really tried, at least as far as I know, to contact him. Um, and so I think really like if you want, and this is pretty juvenile, I'll be honest with you guys. Like this is not, I know this is not making me sound cool or good or whatever, but Mm. like, um, you know, I, I think a lot of times something really that what governs just as much as the guilt, what governs my life is that like a lot of times, um, I seen people that get away with like murder basically you know what i mean people who do fucking outrageous like inhuman things to other people and are just like not only do they live afterwards but they live well they have fucking six fucking bedroom houses and fucking pickleball courts um and nothing like i think i think what i think like my my sort of terminal uniqueness here uh i think that one the one good character trait i really do know about myself is like i um like i will go to your house (laughs) like i'm gonna i'm gonna knock on your door like even if nobody else will um and i'm gonna uh see if you want to want to come outside and have a little conversation so um you know even if he's not there um well i got a plan b but yeah, I don't know. Should we should we get going? Yeah, let's do it. So we drive out from Spokane to Sandpoint. And so the background to this entire trip, to be clear, is there are all these wildfires happening basically within the region. And Sandpoint itself forms like a little bowl where the smoke gathers. And so during our entire time in Sandpoint, uh, I would say the air was, was thick, was choked with smoke. 
Um, and, uh, it's just, which is an uncomfortable environment to be in, but it's a town of about 7,000 people, pretty wooded. Um, you know, it's a small town, close knit community in, in a county of, I think only about 45,000 people total. And so, uh, you know, our first lead there, which is our most promising lead that we'd gotten from a couple of different sources was that Patrick lived on destiny lane. And I knew about destiny lane because I talked to a lot of kids who had finished the program and there's some ceremony there right before you finish the program. They take you up to his house, like as a group. And, uh, and so this, this was a spot familiar to a lot of people. So Destiny Lane is at the end of this like gated community, um, kind of up on this mountain outside of Sandpoint. We looked there first. The fuck is this? Invited guests only? Is that so? Well, I think we're okay. Oh, private road, no trespassing. No, these are both private roads. But we're not doing anything. We're, we're all good. We're just going to ask a guy I know a few questions. A friend of mine. So we were like driving up this really windy road. And it, the grade kind of keeps increasing and increasing. It's like steeper and steeper and windier and windier. And I have to say that it felt very on point. Mm-hmm. That it was called Destiny Lane. Like it felt like we were driving up, literally up destiny to our destiny. You know what I'm saying? Like, it felt cosmic. Yeah. Um, so we get to the top of the road, and there's this house. There's a car in the driveway. And we get out. We're all mic'd up. We're ready to go. We kind of walk along the, the right side of the house to the front door, and we knock. Howdy. Hi, how is, are you? Is Patrick McKenna here? No, he doesn't live here anymore. He doesn't? Oh, he doesn't? Okay. Yeah, he moved. We bought the house for him four and a half, almost five years. Oh, my God. Ago. Sorry oh. for bothering. Do you know where he's at? I don't. Um, he was in town. He bought another lot here at one point, but I think he sold it. So, okay. Oh, so I have no good info for you. I'm Thank you. Sorry. Appreciate <laughs> it. No problem. Well, you have a beautiful dog, by the way, <laughs> and a beautiful you. house. Well, Thanks. Okay, Thank guys. you. So, obviously, not him. We spend the rest of the day following up on various leads that we had in Sandpoint, all of which come to nothing, uh, before deciding to make a night call to a house that we had traced him to in a little town called Dover. This is it. This is it? Yeah, this is it. I don't know where Liz is. Right there. I mean, unless I'm mistaken, but that's 461. This does not look inhabited. I'll tell you that. This is it? This, I mean, if I'm lying, I'm dying, but 461. Yeah. The dress he gave me was 461, so. It's pitch black. Doesn't look like anyone's home. Well, you might as well ring the doorbell, which is precisely what I'm doing now. Yeah, I have, uh, every house we've been to has had some kind of car in the driveway, but no one home. Yeah. What that means, I don't know, but this is a, not feeling a lot of life I don't. in this house right now. I don't have good vibes here. So no one was there. It's pitch black out. This little community that we're in is like pretty sleepy. Mm-hmm. There's something eerie about it. Yeah. Um, it was like a bit of a kind of like a not, it wasn't totally gated, but it was like a little sleepy development along a lake. I'm going to say this. There's boat people. Yes. I don't like boat people. Yeah, I don't like boat people either. But we did see 
like a couple houses down, that some neighbors were out having a little bonfire. And there was like a bunch of them. It was, you know, it was like football had just started. A lot of people were out kind of celebrating. And we saw a bunch of people outside and we said, hey, let's go talk to them. Did you see the people over there having a barbecue or whatever? Yeah, they look, should we ask them? Yeah. Yeah, let's go ask them. So despite us emerging from the shadows, at first they were pretty friendly. Is there a neighbor, do you, is there a guy who lives near here named Patrick McKenna? Like 461? Babe, land light it real quick. Oh. <laughs> we'll find this. What the hell is land light? It's just a place where we know who owns everything. No way. <laughs> Wait, really? What is it? Oh, cool. Like, do you really want me to are, that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but then they became a little suspicious. Are you yeah. What is happening? We, uh, so, it's, it's such an insane story. And finally, the situation got a little uh, uncomfortable. A rehab that turned into a cult in the 80s. I feel like we need to end this, guys. You're at the wrong spot. Absolutely. That's all right. Thank you guys so much. All good. Thank you. So one of the things we did know was that Patrick was a member at this club, country club, called the Idaho Club. Mm-hmm. A very, you know, exciting name. Um, and we had stopped by the day before and we hadn't seen him, but we did see his name on a plaque was like 2019 golf champion. Men's club champion. Yes. Men's club champion. And I swear to God, guys, this is true. Their golf men, men's golf champion what was it? Well, I would, I, would, I would think it was a championship, but their little tournament, yeah. Okay. Their tournament was happening this weekend that we were there. So we called ahead, do a little recon, and make sure it wouldn't be weird if we stopped by. Thanks for calling the Idaho Club. Please dial one for real estate, dial two for the pro shop, and dial three for the restaurant. Hi, good morning. Um, I have a question. We're coming in from out of town. We saw you guys are having a championship today, a tournament. Uh-huh. Uh, we were wondering if we can come by and just watch, right? If that's cool. Uh, yeah, I suppose you could. It's just a club championship. Nothing's very special, but, uh, you know, it's got about, I don't know, 36 players, something like that in it. Liz also said one of the funniest things I've ever heard her say. Oh, money. Wow, cool. So we roll up to the Idaho Club. I gotta say, none of us felt very comfortable here. I had never been to a country club before. Yeah, I don't think I had either. And I gotta say, I was just, I was thoroughly unimpressed. Um, It was a, uh, it was, it was terrifying. Yeah, there was something sinister about it. There's a huge, like, so you, you drive off the highway and, you know, you enter and there's like a little guardsman who, who's like, checks you in and is like, what are you here for? And we're like, we're here for the restaurant. Okay, proceed. And we drive up, turn right on the little street and there's a huge lodge and that's where the restaurant and the bar is. And then behind the lodge are all of the courses. Yeah, um, it was a uh, it was it was sort of weird because there was this giant cavernous dining room 
that I did not ever see a single person that was not a member of our party dining in. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this little bar next to it that they had, and then this like veranda and sort of this area underneath. And from what I understood from talking to my local contacts is this was a fairly new club, uh, this development. Like maybe the club had been there for a while, but it had really been developed mostly in the past 10 years with like all this sort of outside money. And I actually did overhear two people at the bar talking um, about oil drilling and being in the oil drilling business, which I was like, oh, that's a nice little bit of local flavor. But I will say uh, they didn't used to let Jews into country clubs. Be fine if they still had that rule. I never want to go to one again. Well, like I said, we saw his name on the plaque. And we saw his wife's business card. Mm-hmm. Because she is, uh, like, I don't know, she's like a realtor for the club. Yeah, it's all over her her Instagram. Yeah, so we, it was funny because we were, like, seeing signs of them everywhere. But we didn't see him. And so, Brace, you ended up asking around. Yeah. Excuse me, sir. Yeah. Do you know Patrick McKenna? Yes. Do you know if he's here today? I couldn't tell you, but if you go um, the clubhouse, if you go up the stairs right there to the main clubhouse, he might be hanging out in there. Perfect. I don't know if he's out on the course though either. Yeah, yeah, that's all right, cool. It could be, but so if he's not in the clubhouse, the pro shop is right here. You can get to it from the inside the main clubhouse. You could ask there if he's out on the course. Perfect, appreciate it. All right, thank you, sir. Hey, how you doing? Good. I'm looking for a friend of mine. Do you know if uh, Patrick McKenna is here today? I don't remember his name being one of the guys with Todd Borey's group, which was at 2.53 Gotcha. Um, but I don't see him on this T-shirt anymore. No problem. Thank you very much. Okay. Oh, oops, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. This glass thing. One thing we did know, though, is that Patrick and his fucking wife are both realtors, developers, and Patrick works as a contractor as well. And so something that they do is they've built a lot of these houses that are on the grounds of the Idaho Club. Now, we spent a long time discussing amongst ourselves why you would live about 20 feet from a golf club that you were a member at, like what would possess somebody to live on a golf course, essentially. Um, and it turns out a lot of people have the same questions because most of these houses were empty, but Patrick does have a property that's in his name on the grounds of the Idaho club. And so we paid it a visit. Howdy. Sorry. Is Patrick here? No. They are at a wedding in Montana. They should be getting back tonight. Perfect. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, all right. I'll be back later. Thanks. Appreciate it. Do you know around what time? They said early evening. Okay. But. Okay, great. I haven't heard from them yet. Thanks so much. Excellent. Thank you. So we found him. I mean, I felt this huge, I don't know how you felt, you know, but for me, I felt this huge, crazy rush because we have been on this like little goose chase. And then there was, she confirmed, I mean, I don't know if she was a dog sitter or what, but she confirmed that they would be back later that night. They're coming back from a wedding. And so we kind of, we're in the car and we're like, okay, when are we coming? We got to, you know, we got to come back. Mm-hmm. And we're going to confront him. 
I think it was funny because we were like sitting there and <laughs> we're like, okay, early evening. That went to us. That's like eight o'clock. But let's get into the mind of a late 50s, early 60 year old. Mm-hmm. Is that 530? Is that 630? Is that 730? These people eat, lo- eat eat dinner rather at around 5.30 at night. So early evening is essentially their bedtime. So that's got to be like 6.30. I think in, in my head, early evening ends 7.30. That's like the latest you can get to early evening. That's countryside early evening. And so that's when I figured sometime between maybe 6.15 and 7.30, we should expect him home. So we drove back to the hotel and we were like, okay. Let's get some food first <laughs> because, you know, we didn't know how long it was going to take or we didn't know what to expect. And mm-hmm. I think also we were a little hungry. We try to get dinner, but we're too nervous. I think we were like too anxious, a little too much, too many ants in the pants. Yeah, I did not. I did not think I was going to eat. So I was, I was very ready to get out of there. Yeah. Um, and so we were like, you know what? Screw this. Let's just go earlier. Yeah. And we'll chill. Because the thing about the Idaho Club is, remember, guys, we have to, like, go by the little, you know, the little... Gate man. The little gate man. Mm-hmm. The little, you know, Riddler at the, <laughs> at the Interesting. Top. This is how your brain processes that yeah. position. Um, and we were a little nervous. It was going to be the same guy, and we would have to kind of come up with a, like, oh, we just really like the food at the Idaho Club. I, I, I had no... The, I was not... I was like, this is the easiest part. We'd just be like, we love the Idaho Club. Yeah. It's a, an incredible place. We feel right so at home here. so many people say yeah. all the time. I mean, I saw probably about 30 people all told in that club for the, a lot of the time that we spent there. And so, you know, we're just adding to that great... Uh, that patchwork of, of human experience within the grounds of the Idaho Club. Uh, but it was a different guy. It was a different guy, so... Whew. Yeah, he did not care. At all. Uh, and so, you know, it's we get there, I think, around 6.15, and, you know, it's still light out. The uh, Well, as light as it can be, it's a very sort of wan sun. Like, it's, a, it's like... I don't know how to describe the weather, but it was like... A, it was smoky, I guess you could yeah. say. So we do a drive-by of the house. Uh, we notice the same car is there from earlier, which we assume is the dog sitter's car. You know, there's been no other change. And so we decide to go look for his car in the parking lot. We, you know, we know the make and model of the car. Uh, it's not there. And so we figure we will just wait and stake the place out for a while. And at this point, the sun is still in the sky. Uh, not very high in the sky, but it's up there. And we end up sitting on the shoulder of a very you know, a wooded road, not a lot of houses on it. Again, like this place is still being developed, but even the houses that they have built, it seems like most of them haven't sold. And so there's maybe about four or five actually occupied houses on the block. And the block ends in a dead end, in sort of a wooded dead end. Um, And so we're sitting in this divot on the side of the road and the sun goes down. Um, Now the, you know, this is, again, this is a, a private road in a gated community and uh at about 8 p.m that's when they stop serving dinner at the country club and public access is cut off and so we uh we sit there and we wait for hours well it's some ungodly hour to stake out <laughs> this is i gotta say the guys who do this in movies look real bored but they have newspapers snacks well, you gotta explain what we're staking. Oh yeah. 
So we're uh, we're staking out uh, Patrick McKenna's house in the um, the Idaho Club gated community, country club community, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we gained access by saying we're here for dinner, and um, and uh, right now we're not near the country club. We're near his house, parked in a little divot on the side of the road, uh, next to some very tall trees, waiting for his car to drive past this dark, curving road ahead of us. Um, yeah, so hoping hoping they come back and feed them fucking dogs tonight they got there. Uh, if not, then we can take those dogs legally by right. They're ours. They've been abandoned by their owners for more than six hours. Paris has suddenly adopted a southern accent, which none of us can figure out why. I think that... I think that we should... It's after dark here. So we're sitting there. The car is getting increasingly muggy, fogged up, thick mm-hmm. with anticipation. Um, there's a faint and yet sometimes bright yeah. green light coming from the front okay, seat. this is exaggerated. The jewel pod is illuminating in the darkness. Yeah, because it's, it's facing backwards towards you, not towards the street. Oh the flashing of your jewel light is Okay, not... I'll, I'll cover it more. Yeah, you In Syria, that. we used to have to do is if you wanted to smoke a cigarette, you weren't allowed to smoke in most places because you can see the embers, and people did get shot for that. Not like by us, by yeah. the enemy. So you had to cover, like kind of cup your hand around the ember and keep it down in your jacket so you're smoking like that. So I got to be really good at uh, smoking jewel on airplanes. I'm just telling you what I saw. I'm in the back seat, okay? And we're sitting there, all fogged up. Young Chomsky's getting a little hot, a little heated. We're sitting there, and then I see down the road headlights. And a car's coming. And we're like, oh, my God. He's coming. He's driving up. They're driving back from Montana. We see this big black F, it looks like an F-150 or something. It's like a huge mm-hmm. pickup truck. I don't know. It's like bigger than the F-150 if they make that. Don't comment and tell me what that is. But it's a big truck. It's driving up. The two boys in front, they're like doing their best, like lean back, trying to get real low. Mm-hmm. Me, I'm small already, so I'm just curled up. The truck drives past us, and I turn around to watch it, and it turns to the right and I was like fuck because the house is on the left it's not him but then the back lights change color and the car backs up onto the left side of the street into the driveway and they're back they're here so we wait a few minutes uh, we get out of the car and we approach the house there's someone in there Howdy, Patrick McKenna? Hi, uh, no. Sorry, I think we have a light here. Oh, sorry. Um, no, I don't think so. You guys might have the wrong place. Oh, he doesn't live here? No. I don't think so, no. Oh, okay, gotcha. 592. Yep. Okay. Thank you, appreciate it. Thanks anyway. Good luck. Yeah, thanks.
sorry, what is going on here? So that wasn't his place either. Um, either the dog sitter, maybe she misunderstood us, uh, maybe, I mean, who knows, a lot of things could have happened. But at the end of the day, that wasn't him that answered the door. You know, at, at this point in our trip, um, you know, we had pursued a lot of leads. Uh, you know, we're kind of just giving you the highlights here, but we'd gone down a lot of alleys and we were out. This was as many as we had. Um, and, you know, at this, at this, this juncture, we sort of decided that it was the, uh, our, really our last recourse was just to call him on the phone. And so we go back to the hotel and, uh, and sit down and uh, I give him a call. This is Brace. Uh, I was a student of yours at Monarch. I don't know if you remember me. Hello? My name is Brace. I was a student of yours at Monarch in 2004. I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember me. Okay. Okay, uh, yeah, I was just in Sandpoint for the night, and I had, uh, I was, you know, of course, been here before, and I was calling to ask you a couple questions, if you have a second. Yeah, no, I know, but you know all about waking people up late and all that stuff. Um, I mean, just it'll just take a couple seconds. What's your question? My question is. My question is, don't you think you owe me an apology? it does not seem like you wish to speak with me. Um, I do, of course, very much would like to speak with you, but uh, I get it, you know. Um, it's it's tough to kind of come to terms with some of the stuff you've done in your life. I mean, speaking for me, I've done a, done a lot of bad, bad shit in my life since I've seen you, Patrick. Um, I regret a lot of it. Uh, I've, I've been called to account for a lot of it. Um, and uh, and I, I try to work past it. I try to be uh, I try to be a man I can be proud of. Um, you know, one thing that that I think you you really taught a lot of kids. Uh, I think not in the way that that you meant to uh, was about honesty, uh, integrity. You know, standing up for yourself, being a human being, like a real human being. Um, I think you taught a lot of kids that as an example of what what not to do. You know, you you you. 
You had a really negative, malignant effect upon hundreds, probably thousands of kids, a lot of them who I've talked to. Um, and that's got to be hard to, to live with. That's got to be hard to deal with. That's got to be hard to you know, sleep at night, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine what you go through. Um, you know, I, I don't think I could live a day in your shoes, frankly. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to face it. But, you know, you, you talk a lot, a lot about negative stories that we tell ourselves. Um, you know, this, this negative self-image, all this kind of stuff. And, like, you know, Patrick, if yours includes, like, you know, you, you're a hypocrite, you're a failure, like your whole life's work, all the stuff you dedicated yourself to, I mean, it was undone by your own greed and avarice, all that kind of stuff. Um, how what you did to these kids may not be have you know the best effect on them. Um, you know, I think you'd be right to worry about that stuff because I think that stuff is true. Uh, you are. Uh, you're kind of the king hypocrite um, and coward, uh, as evidenced by this. And, uh, you know, you are, I think really at the end of the day, to sum it all up, you are a failure. Your life's work is a failure. Um, and you'll be remembered as a bad person, uh, you know, and uh, by a lot of, lot of people all throughout the world um, and all across the country. So with that being said, Patrick, uh, I've been thinking about you for a long time. I'm going to continue thinking about you for a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope you go to hell. So now that we're back home, um, I guess, you know, what I really want to know is, did you get what you wanted? I mean, so in this series, we, uh, we see the failures of Chuck and, and of Synanon. Um, you know, we saw the thousands of little pimps and, and wardens that sprung up like maggots from Synanon's corpse. We can see the victims, of which, you know, I include myself, of Synanon's legacy sort of scattered all across America. Um, you know, it's the same story with Synanon as, as with a lot of other things. It's, you know, some people got well, some very few people got rich, some people died, um, you know, and a lot of people sort of just ended up wherever. You know, I ended up here, Patrick ended up in Sandpoint. And I, I think we've connected it. You know, so the show is a history, yeah, but it's also a catalog of the present, of, of what I guess I think of, I don't like to think of, but I think of it as my trauma, uh, trauma that manifests itself as guilt in every second of my life. Um, it's the, it's the Synanon program, it's Monarch, that taught me, that imbued me with that guilt. Um, you know, and now I'm kind of trying to, I guess, to, to earn it. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's a fucked thing, uh, you know, thinking back, like, you know, I was a kid, and I got declared guilty. Uh, I endured imprisonment. Uh, I was punished without actually having committed and really just being accused of a formless, nameless crime. 
um, you know, I, I, I feel kind of now, I guess, like a child soldier uh, with all the ruthlessness and, and ignorance that entails. And I think you guys have, have sort of seen the product of that with how I've acted. You know, I admit that that has not done wonders for my psyche. Um, you know, I am, like I said, I am imbued with guilt. Uh, the trauma of, of, of all that shit uh, compounded and, and, you know, it looks like I'll probably be living the rest of my life with it. But at another point, like, yes, like I accept I am guilty. Um, I am a guilty man in search of a crime. And my suffering thus far has, has been impure, and the, the rectification of that uh, has been and, and will, will be impure as well. Um, I don't think of myself as like annihilating that trauma, but in a way like f fulfilling it. So one thing I know for sure is that nobody is untouchable. You know, there are a lot of things that keep me up at night. A lot of them relating back to these programs. And with this, I hope to keep these guys, people who run these programs, people who made money off of these programs, people who live in these big houses with nice beds, hope it keeps them up at night too. This series was produced by TrueAnon. Exclusive episodes available at patreon.com slash trueanonpod. Your hosts are Brace Belden and Liz Franzak. The music was written and recorded by me, Young Chomsky. The saxophone was played by Dave Fugel. Research assistance was provided by Destiny Nicole. Special thanks to Dr. Danielle Carr and Ed Opperman. This has been The Game, the story of Synanon. Thanks for listening.